Pastor Newby has been speaking about purity. And as you remember, the last two weeks, we've covered uh, quite a few areas, areas in purity. And our theme for this series has been purity above all. Above all things, purity. Purity is, is so important. We talked about guarding your eyes, guarding your ears. And tonight we're talking about, today, this morning, we're talking about guarding your heart. Your heart. Now, it's interesting because heart, um, you know, we, I, I was joking around one Wednesday night and I was telling everybody, I started my sermon and I said, um, said, many of you don't know this, but I have a heart problem. And so people, you know, some people were a little concerned and I started going into detail about it and talking about I've had this since birth, hasn't affected much of my life, but in the, on the other hand, it, it affects everything in my life. And it, it was just an illustration and I noticed my wife was back there. At first she was worried then I could tell she was getting angrier because it, it was as if I had a heart problem and hadn't told her about it or something. And then the whole point was the heart problem is something we all have. We all have this heart problem. And you might have seen it. I know uh, with this last snowstorm we got, there was that threat of ice and having a big ice storm. And it's been a few years since we've had one. And uh, you know how what happens. You know, all your trees get a little lanky and limbs get a little out there. And so if we would have had that ice storm, you know that a lot of us would have been doing a lot of cleanup. And you think about that for a minute. You know, this happens from time to time, hopefully not in your yard, but maybe something like this. I had this happen. We had this happen in our backyard this uh, year, year and a half ago. We had two willow trees. They were huge. It was kind of funny. The people who owned the house before us, they kind of ended up, I guess, through the years having issues with all the neighbors. So he literally planted trees in such a way that you could be in our backyard and not see any house except for ours. So these two willow trees were massive. And then we noticed that something was wrong with them. And what was wrong with them is they, they started having a disease from the inside out, and they literally started rotting from the inside out. And at one point, uh, we decided to take them down, and literally Theo and I pushed one of these trees. I mean, I cut the limbs off so it wouldn't damage much. And, and then as we did it, Theo and I pushed the tree over. It was that rotted from the inside out. And then I, I took down the one I thought was worse, and then the next, like, Monday, we had a little windstorm, and it blew that one down and wiped out my neighbor's fence, and it was horrible. And you think about that for a minute. That heart problem that we talk about is similar to what trees can have. You don't always notice it on the outside, because for the most part, that tree looked healthy. I mean, for the most part, people might drive by and think, you're fine too. But the problem is, there's something inside that's eating away, and it's, it's destroying the very fabric and foundation of who you are. And what's really sad is that it's not the windstorm's fault, but there might be some event that happens in your life and you go crashing down and then everything is revealed and all the deteriorated, eaten up, ugly insides are shown. The heart's important. Our, it's, our heart is so important. Jesus said it like this. He was, he was, uh, he was scolding the religious leaders of his day and he said, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. That's pretty harsh language, isn't it? Very harsh. And I would never say anything like that to you guys. But isn't it funny how we do church? I mean, for the most part, we come, we dress up a little bit nicer, maybe put on your makeup a little more careful, fix your hair a little bit. And we do that because we want to look nice. There's nothing wrong with that. But in a way, we give this false appearance of who we are. Have you ever had this happen where you see somebody and maybe they're not in their church clothes or maybe they're in their work clothes or, you know, they're just out of place like that and something about them just looks so different? 
But that's, we're still the same person. And basically what Jesus was saying here is these religious rulers were so concerned about the outside that they were neglecting the more important, the inside. Bottom line is this. He, he went on to say, first wash the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will become clean too. It's not enough to clean, clean up the, our act on the outside. Jesus went on and he said this in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, that should be the desire of every Christian, every Christian, to be pure in heart. You know, so many times as we live in this world, that is not the world's goal. Have you noticed? It's not. Their goal is to do whatever it takes to just get by, or maybe just to have fun, or to enjoy as much pleasure as possible, or take care of me, whatever it is, but it's certainly not to stay pure in heart. That is primarily a Christian goal. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it's such a struggle in this world we live in. You may think of it like this. It's, I don't know how many of you have ever seen uh, salmon spawning where they're swimming upstream and such an effort to go against everything that flows against them. And that's really what we do as Christians in this world we live in because everything around us is literally trying to destroy and defile our heart where God is telling us that we need a pure heart, as pure as pure as possible. So it really begs the question, why does God, why is he so concerned about our heart? What is it about your heart that's such a concern to him? I mean, he made us, he put you in the world, he created you with certain gifts and abilities and interests, and I mean, that can't be all bad, so what is the big deal about your heart? Here's what he says. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything. Everything you do Everything you do flows from the inside out. Now, that view of life and that view of the world hasn't always been that way. Not everybody sees the world that way. But for Jesus, his aim isn't just to reform your manners. He wants to change you from the inside. He's not looking for you just to act nice. He wants you to literally be nice so that the acting comes naturally. You know, something... uh, I used to listen a lot when I lived in the the L.A. area to this guy on the radio, Dennis Prager. I don't know if any of you have heard of him before. He's a Jew and trained as a rabbi, and he's a talk show host. And it's fascinating listening to him because a lot of times people will call in and they'll say, wow, for the longest time I thought you were a Christian. And he has no problem saying that he loves Christianity. But he'll tell them, well, that's probably because we share, you know, two-thirds of your Bible is my Bible. So, of course, it sounds like that. But one stark difference is he will, he will flat out tell you that for the Jew and the Jewish thought, sin isn't sin until it's acted upon. So you can think whatever thoughts you want until you act. But you remember that Jesus corrected that. And here again on the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, he said, You have heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you remember, if you're familiar with this passage, he goes on to talk about even if you're angry and you just call someone a name, it's, almost, it's, it's the same as murder. Why does God care about your heart so much? The truth is it all goes back to what's inside of you comes out. What's inside of you dictates everything that you do. Have you noticed that sometimes uh, you can just tell how a person's feeling by their facial expression? Now, sometimes you can't. I mean, some people have that, that angry face, that relaxed angry face. Anybody like that? I'm trusting those of you who are looking angry right now. That's why you're just relaxed. But you know what I'm talking about, right? And how unfair it is because sometimes we think that. But for the most part, you can tell, right? You can tell what's on the inside based on the face. 
It's like the face projects what's happening on the inside. It's interesting because, um, well, let's look at this. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks directly onto the heart. And going on in Matthew again, but the words you speak come from the heart. Are you seeing a theme here? It's not just a pretty like icon there. We're talking about the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. That's quite a list, isn't it? Do you do like me? I mean, sometimes I'll look at a list like that and I say, well, I'm not doing too bad. I'm like one out of five there. Right? That's not good enough for him. He wants your whole heart. Just like Frank prophesied today, he wants all of us. And he wants all of us to be pure from the inside out, dictating every little behavior, everything, everything. You know, I, I would like to think, too, that we, as Christians, as you get older, you grow immune to all of these things. But the truth is, no matter how long you've been following Christ, no matter how old you are, we struggle with things at different levels, at different times, and in different ways. And as different things come against us, we have to renew that heart all over again. And for some of you, you know, maybe the, the struggle is, you know, thoughts that come into the mind or murderous thoughts or, you know, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander, those types of things. Regardless of what it is, all of us need to purify our heart. And the beauty of it is when you let the Holy Spirit live and work in you, he does that work in you. Let's read on. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. It's one of the lowest insults Jesus could have used to people in Jewish culture. How could evil men like you speak what is right and good? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And you know this, Pastor mentioned this a few sermons ago, but the trick of the devil is to take something sacred and special like intimacy and all relationships and make dangerous and tempting spinoffs. You know the enemy doesn't create anything, right? He doesn't. He doesn't have the creative power. God has the creative power. All he can do is take what God made good and twist it and destroy it into a horrible vision of what it was. That's all he does. That's all he ever does. And he does the same thing with all of our relationships, including, including intimacy and you know, sexual in intimacy and relationships, just like he's talking there. I like this, this version here of Galatians 5.19. Indulging in sexual immorality, impure thoughts, and eagerness for lustful pleasure is accepting the foolishness of fake love fake love. It's not what God intended. It won't satisfy you. In fact, the end will be painful. So how do you get a pure, and how do you purify your heart? I mean, how does that really happen? What is the process you go through? We all need to do this on a regular basis, but how? You know, as a Christian, you may be struggling, and you may feel like you're stuck in maybe a pattern that you can't break out of. I know sometimes I hesitate to use that word addiction, because most of us, when we hear that word, we think, oh, that's somebody in a gutter somewhere somebody in a flop house or somebody that's not me because I couldn't be trapped in something like that life controlling right but for some of us you develop these cycles and patterns that become incredibly incredibly difficult to break so how do we break them let me just take us to that portion of scripture we talked about before this is Proverbs 4 and what we're going to do is go through like about six verses here it says above all else guard your heart guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life the first instruction that Solomon in his wisdom gives us here is avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Now that could be a lot of things, couldn't it? 
could be gossip, right? could be so many things. I, I like to look at it like this. I want to start right here. Do you remember this from math? Who can tell me what this is? What, what? There's a murmuring here. Yes, lowest common denominator. Now, you maybe thought that was just math, but unfortunately, it's not just math. Because you know how it is when you get with some people and then you start talking and the level of your conversation dips below what you know it should be. And it doesn't have to be just, you know, like, sorry, junior high, but like junior high talk, right? About bodily functions and stuff. It doesn't have to be just that. It can be gossip or talking about somebody. You know how it is? You have this one friend in particular where when you get together, you always talk about this other friend. And it always goes there. The conversation always goes down that way. Or it could be just, you know, guys especially, we struggle with this where it gets to be about, you know, objectifying women and things that are negative like that and impure. Have you noticed that it's almost impossible to separate words from thoughts? There's a reason for that. God made us like that. And because of that, it's really important if you're going to purify your heart that you need to guard what you put into your ears and what you talk about. Your speech, you have to guard it. Avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. Really what you need to do is, is make a c- commitment with your friends who are Christians especially and say, look, we know how we are when we get together like this. We don't want to be like this. We don't want to let it slip down to this level anymore. So we need to make an agreement to not let that happen, not to fall to the lowest common denominator. Unfortunately, you've probably experienced this too. What you hear is what you say. Have you noticed that? like speech patterns and even words that maybe you never thought you would use, but the guys at work use them, and then all of a sudden you're saying them. It happens. That's how we are. So if you're going to purify your heart, then you need to guard yourself from those thoughts and those words and those speech patterns. I would even say this, that sometimes those things, if you're, if you're in a circle of people or if you're just hearing certain talk, that will put thoughts in your mind that lead you to impurity that you hadn't even anticipated. It's almost like it takes you down a road and a path that you didn't even intend and you didn't choose to walk down. But because somebody near you was walking that path, all of a sudden your mind is somewhere where you had never intended for it to be. The next part of that verse says, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. You know the saying, right? It's an old English proverb. It seems like a lot of proverbs are from other, other countries or whatever. This is an old English one. The eyes are the window to the, you know that. You know that. You know that. You know that what you look at just shoots right into your mind. That's how we are. God, again, designed us that way so that you see things, whether it's images or words or other things, you know, it it just communicates right into your mind. You know how it is when you put a little kid in front of a TV? You watch them get mesmerized. My dad always called it the idiot box. Did you ever hear that? Or the one-eyed monster. I mean, he had all these names for it. Um, As he... He would just, like, uh, it, for some reason, I just flashed back to watching Gilligan's Island. Did you guys ever do that? And he walked, I remember one, in particular one day, he walked in and he said, you realize every minute you watch that, you're getting stupider. That's what he said. <laughs> and you think about that. I mean, that's a silly example. But the truth is, what you watch a lot of times dictates where your mind is. Another thing about your eyes is the memories that are stuck in there sometimes are difficult to get out. Have you noticed that? I mean, can you unsee some things? Have there been some things that you thought, oh God, I didn't need to see that. And I don't want to ever remember that again. And probably as I'm saying this, you're remembering it because that's how our minds work and I apologize. But I wanted to make that point because if you're going to guard yourself, you need to think about that ahead of time and protect yourself from those things. 
We have to be smarter than the enemy because he's, the Bible told us that we know he's our enemy and you have to prepare for him. He's a roaring lion that's coming to take your soul. He's got a plan for you and this plan is to destroy you and he's going to destroy you in any way he can and use whatever way he can. Whatever way you leave open to him is how he's going to come at you. That's how he is. And he knows what your weakness is. And I love the pastor mentioned last week. It's not that he's like, doesn't know it all, but I'll give you this. He's way smarter than us. He's been around a long time and he knows human nature and he knows you. He's been a student of you for a long time, and he knows where you're, where you're weak. And the bottom line is this. Pastor mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I, it just, we just need to repeat it, and it needs to be something that you think about. What you feed grows. So if you feed impure thoughts into your mind, then that's what's going to grow in your mind. If you feed negativity, that's what's going to grow. If you feed gossip, that's what's going to grow. And Pastor mentioned this, and it just bears repeating. God gave us a normal and natural sex drive. But if you feed that till it grows to a place where it's controlling you, then that's going to be very unhealthy. And that's going to be impurity that's going to be very difficult for you to control. And the fact is, God, God wants you pure. He wants you pure because he cares about you that way. If you feed the anger, what grows? Anger. On the other hand, if you feed your spirit, then that is what will grow. If you flood and wash yourself over with with worship music and people praising God and lifting up the praises of God and the attributes of God, that is what's going to grow. If you spend time in the word and you spend time reading his word and even, even record it, I mean, I, you know, I know that there's a lot of evils to technology, but use the good in it. And there's amazing things that technology will do. And I know Pastor mentioned this a few weeks ago, and you know, we've mentioned it on Wednesday nights a lot, but the fact that you can get a, this U version on your Bible and there's plenty of other Bible apps, I mean, there's literally hundreds of them, but, I mean, I love it that I can turn that on and it will leader, literally read me the scriptures. You know, I love coming into my kids' room sometimes at night and they're, you know, I'll see them and they're, we're tucking them into bed. And this has happened a few times where I come in, I'm trying to tell them to get off their iPod. And then what they're doing is listening to the Bible. <laughs> then it's hard to tell them to go to bed, isn't it? Like, no, I want you to go to sleep listening to this. Because if that can sink into your heart and soul and purify your heart and be a foundation which, which everything else builds on, then, then, oh, we're way, way, way ahead. Are all thoughts sin? Question, is it? Rhetorical? No, I'm asking. No, they're not. Truth is, we are going to be tempted. There are going to be things that come up. The difference is your reaction to it and whether or not you guard yourself from it. If you intentionally walk into areas where you're going to be tempted, that's foolish. It just is. On the other hand, I mean, things are going to happen, and you need to just push that aside and, and quote scripture. What did the enemy, or what did Jesus do to the enemy when he was tempted? Quoted scripture to him. I mean, you tuck some of these verses and thoughts into your mind. Like, no, no, I'm a child of the king. I don't have this, you have no place in me. This is not who I am. I'm going to guard my eyes because they belong to God. I mean, don't ever let that happen to you. That next part of that verse says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know what I love about this? This says, it just says straight out, plan ahead, right? Plan ahead. You got to be smarter than, than even yourself. And not only another thing about planning ahead, you got to plan ahead before you're in the emotion or stuck in the cycle, right? So when you're in a good place like you are today, I'm going to ask you a little bit later to plan ahead, to make some commitments and decisions about how you're going to live, live your life and to stay pure in your heart. And when you plan ahead like this, when you make a straight path for your feet, then you stay on the safe path, then your heart will have a much better chance of being purified. Let's look at some specifics. God gave us rules to protect 
and provide for us. So often in our world today, the attitude is that, oh, Christianity is just about not having fun. In fact, I remember even as a kid growing up, I don't know if you did this, and this is just, it's just sad. Maybe this is just where I was as a kid or maybe with the church, I don't know. But people say, like, where do you go to church? I said, well, my church, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't. Isn't that sad? Because that's not what church is about, not just what we don't do. It's about what we do. And it's about who we know. And because of who we know, that's why I don't do. Does that make sense? Because if somebody asked me to tell if I was married, I'd tell them all about my wife. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, that's why I don't do these things. I would just say, no, look at her. And if you knew her, you would, I mean, I'm committed to her. That's why. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference there? These rules, I mean, think of it like this, you know. Um, I love guardrails. Anybody else? You don't think of it like that, though, do you? But you would love them if you're, if you're sliding out of control and that guardrail keeps you from going over the edge, Right? Right? I told this story before, and I'm just going to tell it again because it's true and it happened. But anybody ever, like we had 4th of July picnics and stuff, and when we lived in the Philippines, I remember specifically we had a 4th of July picnic, and they had this like a little pool and dish, little bowls, and we had to throw ping pong balls in there. And I came home and I won a goldfish. Anybody ever done that to their parents? Maybe that happened to you? So I walked into my house with a goldfish in a bag, and my mom was like, oh, great. And so we put that goldfish, oh, we didn't have a fish bowl. So what she had was a bowl. So we put it in a bowl, a mixing bowl on the counter. So I remember in the morning coming in, my mom told me that as she came in the kitchen, she stepped on my fish. And what had happened was, I tell you, I know exactly what happened. Here's what happened. The fish, you know, a few minutes before had been swimming in this big place, and all of a sudden he was in this clear plastic bag, and then he was put in a mixing bowl. And as he was swimming around the mixing bowl, I guarantee you what happened is he said, this is no fun. I can't do what I want. I'm limited to this little tiny space. I just have to swim in circles. No fun at all. And I know outside this bowl is everything I want to do, all the fun in the world. I can do whatever I want, and and it'll be great. So what did the little fish do? He probably swam down like this as fast as he could, and he got a bunch of momentum and speed, and as he went up, I'm sure he cleared the lip of that bowl, and as he started choking and drowning in pure oxygen like that, he probably said, "Uh, uh, uh, maybe the bowl wasn't so bad right? Because the bowl wasn't there to keep him from having a good time. The bowl was there to protect and provide for him, just like God's rules are. You want to purify your heart? Then follow his plan for us. Follow his plan for us. He knows the best way for you to live. He knows the best way for our relationships to go. He loves you enough to have given you that kind of a guide, and that's what he wants for you in all of those things. Let me, let me move on some quick things here. Your choices determine your destiny. Pastor mentioned this, and it's just so obvious. Um, But maybe you didn't think about this. What you dwell on, what you allow your mind to dwell on, that's what you become. That's what you talk like. That's what you start to think about. That's how you react to people. What you dwell on is what you become. So that should change some of the things that you do. But not just for you. You know what? Here's something about it is... um, well, let's look at this real quick. Those who, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Look, look at how many things talked about the mind in that verse. It all starts here. The next part of that verse says, but, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Again, It's about your mind. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Nothing. 
plan ahead, have nothing to do with those things. Talking about guarding your heart, I want to I get to some, some specifics here that I think are very important for you. Um, I want to address shame. Because even as we're talking about this, I know that some people in the room are probably uncomfortable and they're thinking, I hope he doesn't actually mention specific things that would be awkward in this setting, and you're probably feeling that. You know what happens with shame? Shame is a powerful tool that the enemy uses against us. And what it does is it keeps us isolated, keeps us alone. Shame is powerful. What releases you from shame is bringing what sin is in the dark into the light. And what that may involve is you finding somebody who you can trust and be accountable to and really be honest, and you will be free. I know that's a lot to ask, but sin thrives in the dark. This is the beauty of having a men's group at the church, a women's group, having life groups at this church. That's the beauty of that is because you can actually get into a relationship with people that you can trust and that you can stop and say, um, I have something I need to talk to you about. Now, Pastor mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I regret I didn't put it in the handout you're going to get later, but we do have a prayer line at the church, which we will keep completely confidential. It's a, it's a simple email address. It's prayer at crownpointchurch.com. It's very simple. And if you email that, we will pray with you. There's no question about it. My next thing I really want to touch on for just a few minutes is how important it is for us to guard our families. It's, it's crucial that you develop and, 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 and work on your pure heart, but it's also crucial that you guard your families. You have to guard your families. It's your responsibility. As a parent, one of the most basic definitions is guide. You are the guide for your families. You're the guardrail. You're the mixing bowl, so to speak. Let me talk about a few things, especially when it comes to the internet. Now, we're in an interesting time in history. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Probably you are as a parent. But it's almost like kids today, they just get electronics, don't they? It just makes sense to them. And because of that, what happens is they are better at it. They say it's the first time in history that kids know more about something than their parents. Now, young people and children have always thought that, but actually it's true for the first time in history. And because of that, it becomes difficult for us to stay a step ahead and help them with this problem. One of the things we've recommended a couple times is this Covenant Eyes software. It's both accountability and a filter. And you'll get, you can look into this a little bit more. Let me tell you, one of the most important things is for you to talk about these things with your kids. And I know it's awkward. I know it's awkward. I know. And I know you're going you're gonna to hit resistance. But you know what? It's important. And I would say this too. This is not just for those of you with kids that are at the home still. If you have children who are out of the house, it's not like you stop being a parent. It's still important for you to talk to them because these struggles are not limited to people that are 18 or 19. This is all of us at all ages. Uh, let, let me talk about parenting, the, the, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about these things. We do have a handout that I want to make available to every parent, and uh, you can get more of these handouts in the, uh, one of the handouts you're going to get will have the web address for you to get this on your own, or we can print more for you. But let me just talk about a couple things really quick, something that didn't even exist, of course, when I was a kid, this idea of cyberbullying, the fact that somebody would pick on somebody. You've heard the news stories, how people have even been led into suicide because of this and pressure, and it's, it's a horrible thing. But maybe just quick some statistics you've never maybe thought of. I mean, these things blew me away. 80, 88% of teens say they have seen someone be mean or cruel to another person on a social network. 21% say someone has used email, instant messaging, text messages to spread rumors about them. That's one-fifth. That's one in five young people are saying that. It's an issue. Uh, gaming. 
I, I kind of miss the gaming thing. You know, do you guys remember Pong? Yeah? Okay. And then as a youth pastor all these years, it was just frustrating. I'd go to a student's house, and they'd want to play a game, and they're like an expert at it, and they would just, you know, they'd just spend the whole time beating me up or killing my guy, which is not that fun. But let me say this about gaming. There's a lot of mature content on gaming that a lot of times parents aren't up to speed on. They're not paying attention to. It's your responsibility. Check it out. Know when your kid goes to someone's house what they're playing. Not only that, most game systems today can access the internet. And a lot of times that won't be filtered or nobody checks about that. It's, it, here's another thing. You can chat with people. You don't even know who they are. You know that old kind of joke, you know, you're chatting with somebody and they're talking to them like they're this, you know, 15-year-old girl when in fact they're a 40-year-old dude in his mom's basement. Okay, that's real. That happens all the time. Pornography. We live in a day and age where... Um, Used to be you had to buy it in public. Now it's accessed anonymously, completely anonymously. Online predators, I kind of alluded to that, but it's really sick and sad what's out there. Let me just tell you one story just to scare you. Um, we, had a, we, we were on our way to a Mexico trip. This is when I was a youth pastor in Minnesota, and then one of our students got arrested for molesting. And we're like, what? We almost took this kid to an orphanage in Mexico to work with kids. How did this happen? And we were shocked. So we met with our psychologist at the church. Our, we had a counseling department there. And I remember asking him, I said, how could we not have seen this in this kid? And he said this. This is what I wanted to share with you. He said, that's the nature of a predator. You can't tell. That's what makes them a predator and not like a dirty old man. You all know what that looks like. A predator is a clever person. And they use that cleverness to fool everybody. That's what makes it so scary and dangerous. Protect your kids. Know what they're doing. Know what they're, where they're at. Um, I'm not even going to talk about that. Social networks. Know what your kids are on social network-wise. This is something I just recommend to you, and I know if you haven't done this and kids are older, it's going to be tough, but you need to get their passwords, share passwords, know where they're at because you, you, you have to protect them. Uh, YouTube's a dangerous thing. I love YouTube for what it is, but I also hate it for what it is. I mean, there's times where, like my daughter, Lily, she's eight. She wants to get on YouTube, and she wants to watch videos of some of her favorite TV shows. And we can't let her do that. You know why? Because there's, there's just sick people out there. And they will, like, put, they will put a, a really horrible thing with the title of what she wants to look at. It, it's sad, but this is the world we live in, and it's our responsibility to protect our kids. You need to guard your family. I would recommend men this, that you keep all of their access to the internet as public as possible. Keep around you. Make, make, that, the, the, make that how it is in your house. Uh, build in those safeguards, whether that's covenant eyes or something else. Um, teach your young people discernment and values about what they watch. Don't just tell them no, but tell them why. Tell them. Preach, preach a sermon to them about how important it is, but don't do it preachy, but do it in such a way that you care about them too much to let something like this destroy them. You love them too much to let them go down this road. I would say communicate early and often. As often as you can. Keep those lines of communication open. Remember this. Rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. Relationship is your, is your leverage and your key in all of this. And then in your own life, I want you to model internet integrity. I want you to read these verses with me. Not aloud, I just want you to read them. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just, and he will forgive all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As we've been talking today, we've explored some issues that are serious. And I know that there's people in this room, because we're human, we're normal. This is what happens, is that as the world gets its fingers and the enemy finds places and things where we fail, that there's been different things where the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and saying, child, you need to work on this. Son, daughter, this is an area that we need to be careful about. Whether that's anger, sexual immorality, any of the things that we listed earlier, you know what it is. If you have friends that you dip into that lowest common denominator and you've, you know how it is, it's like you can't even be that clever unless you're down at that, that level of conversation. And you know that you need to guard yourself that way. You heard from the Spirit this morning. You know that God wants a relationship with you that is deeper than it ever has been. And if this moral purity, this purity in your heart is an issue, then you need to let God do some healing in you today. The beauty is he heals. Not only does he heal, but this verse, I mean, he heals completely. He purifies us from all unrighteousness. Purifies us from all unrighteousness. This This is more than you could even hope for, isn't it? This is everything to us. Nick, would you guys come up? Here's what I'm going to do. This this other verse I want to share with you is, is one of my favorite verses out of Proverbs. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. What I like about this is the fact that even as we fall and fail, God still considers us righteous if we get back up again. Would you shut your eyes for a moment? I ask you to shut your eyes, not because it's holy or anything. I ask you to shut your eyes because it gives us at least a sense of privacy. And I don't want anybody looking around right now. But here's what I'd like to do is I'm just curious. I'd just like to ask this simple question. I want to make this a broad question because I want to guard. I want to guard the fact that for some people, this can be an area of shame that might keep you from being honest with God right now. And in doing so, you keep your sin in secret where it, where it stays alive. But I want to help you get that out into the open and give you a chance to be honest before God and honest with yourself. So my question is simple. I'm just wondering if anybody in here, you would just say, Pastor Dennis, I need purity. I need to purify my heart in one of the areas that you mentioned today. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Appreciate that honesty. Thank you. A lot of hands have gone up today. Would you stand with me for a moment? As you're standing, I also want to address this. You know, there may be somebody in this room who is not a Christian, and you've maybe you've been to church before, maybe you haven't. And maybe as you're sitting here today, you're thinking, wow, this is what Christianity is? I didn't realize. I didn't know for sure. Let me just quickly tell you what Christianity is. The idea is this, that there's a God who loved us, he created us, and he so desperately wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you personally. He doesn't want you just to know about him or agree to a certain moral code. He wants to know you and have a relationship with you. But the problem is, every single one of us, we do things that are wrong, whether it's the things we mentioned today or 
other things. The fact is, every one of us have done things that are wrong. And when we do things that are wrong, it separates us from him. So he's, he's a gracious God. And because he loves us so much, what he does is he pays the price. He paid the price for our sin a long time ago. When Jesus died on the cross, that paid for all of our sin. So for you to become a Christian, maybe nobody's explained it this way before, but it really is as simple as this. That you acknowledge the fact that, yes, I know I've done things that are wrong. And yes, I do want a relationship with him. And so you accept that forgiveness that Christ provided for you. And when you do that, it's simple. You, be, you become a Christian. And you start a relationship with him. And then you grow in that relationship, which is why we come to church, to learn more about him, to be around other Christians. So I'm going to ask you to do this again. If you just close your eyes again, for just for, pri- for privacy's sake. If you're here today and you've never become a Christian, but you would like to become one, would you just raise your hand? I'll look around for a minute here and give you a moment. You're going to have to raise it a little high because I had you stand. So We're not even asking you really to join this church. Because we believe there's a lot of great churches. We, want, we would love for you to join this church, but what we really want is for you to know him like we know him. Yeah, I'm going to give you one last chance if you want to raise your hand for that. All right. I can see that it's us in this place today. Now, some of you have raised your hand about being pure. What I'd like us to do is I want us to pray today because many of you did raise your hand. What I'd like to do is I want to pray for us. And as I do, what I'd like you to do is I'd like everybody just to reach out to him and tell him how desperately you want to be pure how desperately you want to be clean. And maybe for you, you've struggled with this area of your life, maybe since you were a teenager, maybe since you were young. And if that is you, I just want you to call out to him even more because he, he forgives and he cleanses today. Let's all reach out to him. Father, we come before you as a people who desire that, that relationship with you that you want with us. God, we want to be pure before you. We want to be whole before you. We want to be clean before you. God, we want you to come.